Can you give her a great big hand this morning? Come on, guys. Amen. Thank you. Forget your phone. All right. I'm so happy to be here. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. How many of you kids are going to do whatever your mama wants today? I mean, whatever. Okay? That's what Mother's Day is all about. Whatever. I just want to thank Pastor Eugene for allowing me to speak today. And uh, it's, it, I don't know if you know it, but you have a rare pastor. You have a pastor who um, is generous with his pulpit. And he allows people to come into the pulpit to speak. Um, he, you know, he really believes in investing in the next generation and giving them opportunities to grow and to learn. And so that's why I'm up here. Okay, that was a joke. That's why I don't tell jokes, because people don't really get them most of the time. But anyway, <laughs> thank you, Pastor, very much. Uh, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories today, two from my life and, and a story about two types of walls. But first I want to ask you, do you have a favorite childhood book? Can you remember a book that you read when you were a kid that you loved? If you remember it, tell your neighbor real quick. What was the name of that book? Which book was it? All right, I see some, I see some people who recognize the books they're being told about. All right. Well, this was my favorite childhood book right here, Children of Foreign Lands. And you can see, I remember laying on the floor, I would read this. I would color in it. I would go through it. I would cut pages out of it. Oh, that's me. <laughs> I was, this one, I was reading that book. And how, how many of you can say pin curls? <laughs> Y'all know what pin curls were? Yeah, you just kind of, your mom just kind of curled your hair up and stuck a bobby pin in it. And then when it dried, it, it kind of went all these different directions. And that was called the pin curl. So, yes, that's me. So at that time, I was reading this book. And in this book, it's all, about, it's all about other cultures and people from foreign lands. And through this book, I fell in love with other cultures. And I wanted to go see all of them. I wanted to meet all those people. I just I wanted to know about everybody everywhere. And so I just appreciate my mom for getting me that book because uh, I'm pretty sure it was from her. I don't remember where it came from, but it was about 20 years old when I got it. And we got everything from thrift stores when I was growing up. So it was probably from my mom. <laughs> anyway... Through this book, I fell in love with different cultures. And today we're going to talk about cultures, and we're going to talk about some of the clashes between the cultures. We're returning to the book of Acts. Could you tell? We've got our Acts map back up here. Uh, Pastor did a four-week sermon on the family. And, uh, but now we're going to return to the book of Acts. And right now we're going to be in Acts 10. And this is occurring about three or four years after Christ was resurrected. The church had grown by thousands, but you may or may not have known this, but the first Christians in the first church were Jews. The church was considered a Jewish sect. It was not, it was not like we think of it with Western Christianity today, where there's Judaism, there's Christianity, there's Buddhism, all that. The church, the Christianity then was a Jewish sect, and all the people in it were Jews. And uh, if it had stayed that way, many of us would never have become followers of Christ, right? Everybody else, most of us, we're called Gentiles in the Bible. And that word Gentiles, um, it comes from a word that, that, that uh, we use today as the word ethnic or race. 
It kind of means all the other nations of the earth besides the Jews. So how many of you would say, to the best of your knowledge, that you have not one drop of Jewish blood in you? How many of you think, you, as far as you know, you don't have any Jewish blood? Okay, so everybody has their hands up. You would not have been told about Christ. You would not have been exposed to the gospel. It was just for the Jews up until this time. That's why our story is fun today. So let me give you a little bit of background on the Jews. God wanted to reveal himself to mankind. He wanted to show people what he was like. And so he chose one man, Abraham. And he said, Abraham, come out of your culture, your culture where you worship many gods. Come away from your family. Come away from all the things you know about. Come to this land that I'm going to take you to. And in this, in this new place, I am going to make a new nation out of you. And that nation is going to ended up being called the Jews. And he said, through, the, through you, Abraham, all the nations on the earth would be, bret, would be blessed. And the Savior of the whole world would come through the Jews, through Abraham. And so he said yes to God. And he went. And the Jews were not, they, were, they weren't God's chosen people because they were special. But they were just chosen to be set apart, to display who God was like. In Deuteronomy it says about the Jews, God says this, You are a people holy to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you from the land of slavery and from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So it wasn't that the Jews had any great quality about them. They were the fewest. He just said, I'm going to set my love on these people through, because of Abraham, because Abraham obeyed me. But the Jews were held to a higher standard because God wanted to show the world what he was like. He wanted how the Jews were to point people to Christ. So he, would, he did miracles through them. I mean, you've heard about the parting of the Red Sea, right? You've heard about the Ten Commandments coming down. Through these commandments, God wanted to reveal what he was like and who he was. Don't murder each other. Don't lie to each other. Don't steal from each other. Worship one God. Just wanted to reveal what he was like through the Jewish nation. That other nations would see the Israelites, see them being blessed because they followed God, and they would want to follow God. And that's, that's why God did that with the Jews. He also gave them some different laws to really set them apart from the Gentiles and uh, civil laws, ways to worship. But a few of those things were, one of the things that you might be most aware of is their dietary laws. How many of you have heard of eating kosher? Yeah. And how many of you like those kosher hot dogs? Yeah, those are really good. (laughs) So eating kosher, very specific things that he said, you can eat this kind of meat, don't eat this kind of meat. You can eat this, you can't eat that. And, you know, just like today, we, we, we gather socially around food, don't we? And so I don't know if you've been on the Daniel Fast or you've ever been doing a fast and then someone says, let's go out to Olive Garden and they're eating lasagna and you're eating broccoli and oh my gosh. So it's, not, it's, it's hard to socialize when, you're, when you eat different foods, right? Very hard to do that. And that, was set, that set them apart. They also celebrated certain feast days which, which reminded them of their history and how God brought them out of Egypt and the Passover and all those things. They were instructed not to intermarry with non-Jews. They kept the Sabbath, 
uh, Friday night to Saturday night in honor of the Lord. And they worshipped one God as opposed to the cultures around them that worshipped many gods. So today, 4,000 years after Abraham, the Jews, because of this, still remain intact as a culture. Now that's a miracle. That's a God thing. You know, the history shows that people who leave their homeland after about five generations in a new homeland, they lose their identity and they're completely assimilated and absorbed into the new culture. But the Jews remain distinct. Even today we hear about Swedish Jews, German Jews, American Jews, right? You don't hear about that with any other, any other group of people. But man did what he always does. He turned something that God made beautiful and turned it into an ugly, rule-driven religion. And uh, like Pastor says, people love to be religious. Not always spiritual, but religious. And uh, so the Jews, the whole idea of them being set apart and different and revealing God it became something that devolved into racial strife, and arrogance, and hatred. Kind of a, I'm special and you're not. And so then like, oh, you think you're so special, huh? So we've all, we've all been that way. We've seen that. We, knew, we know what that is like. So 1,400 years after Moses, at the time of Christ, this is, these are some of the ways it was like for strict Jews. They would wake up in the morning thanking God they were not a slave, a Gentile or a woman. They would never ask a Gentile for help under any circumstances. They would never give a Gentile help. They wouldn't give him directions. They would certainly not help a, a, a Gentile woman who is uh, in labor because that would just bring another Gentile into the world. Gentiles were unclean to them. They were dogs. If a Jew married a Gentile, the Jewish community would have a funeral for that Jew and consider him dead. A strict Jew would not be a guest in a Gentile home, and he wouldn't invite a Gentile into his home. Even the dirt from a Gentile country was considered unclean. Food, food that came through, through Gentiles, you couldn't eat that. No Jew would eat with a Jew, with a Gentile. And some, some Jews even said that Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. Well, how do you think you'd feel if you were a Gentile? Duh. It would be like, yeah, you think you're so special. So they mocked the Jews. They mocked the Jews. The Gentiles mocked the Jews for all their, their rules, their laws, and, and they despised them. Uh, they even thought, some of them thought they worshipped pigs because they wouldn't eat pork. They persecuted, oppressed, killed the Jews, and tried to make slaves of them. So the Jews against the Gentiles. The Gentiles against the Jews. Can I tell you guys? This hatred is nothing new. This has been going on since Adam, uh, since Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. It's been going on all through history. People hating people who are not like them. Yet, this was never God's plan. We have a good God. And he had a plan to include everybody, Jews, Gentiles, everybody in the kingdom of heaven. And he prophesied, Isaiah it says, Talking about the Messiah who's going to come to save the earth, it says, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So as we start our story in Acts today, this marks the change when the Gentiles, most of us, would be allowed into the church. So great, great, great time in history, right? Amen. So, The story of Cornelius that we're going to talk about today in Acts 10, it's kind of long, so I'm just going to summarize it. 
It's one of my favorite stories, so let's see if I can get it right. Okay. Cornelius was a Roman soldier. He was a centurion. He was over 100 Roman soldiers. He grew up with the gods of Rome. He was from Rome. He was, he was totally Roman. He got stationed in Israel, found out about the Israeli God, the one God, somehow was drawn to this God, started praying to, to the Israeli God and giving, giving to the poor, giving alms to the poor. So one day he was praying. An angel appears to Cornelius and says, God has heard your prayers. He's seen, he's seen the gifts you've given to the poor. And so he wants you to go send to Joppa, this other community nearby, and find a man named Peter, because Peter has words that you need to hear. So Cornelius sends two of his servants and a soldier to Joppa, which is about 30 miles away. So meanwhile, back at the ranch in Joppa, Peter is on top of the roof, which was kind of like a patio in those days. He went up on the roof. And uh, he's, he's hungry. He's waiting for dinner, being cooked in the house. So he's praying. So when he prays, suddenly he has a vision. And he sees this sheet held by four corners coming down from heaven. And on this sheet are every type of living creature, animals, reptiles, all sorts of animals, every creature. And he hears a voice behind him. And the voice says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter, because you know how Peter is every now and then, he says no, God, no to God. He says, no, Lord. And uh, he says, I'm a good Jewish boy. I eat kosher. And I'm not eating that stuff. That's not, that's not how, what we're supposed to eat. And uh, the voice said to him, what God has called clean, don't call unclean. And that vision came down. The sheet came down from heaven three times went back up. So Peter's thinking about this. He comes down off the roof. When he gets down off the roof, lo and behold, here come these. Here come the, the, the servants and the soldier from Cornelius, and they say, they tell him what happened. They say, please come and 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 talk to and talk to our master. And so, the it, you know, it, in those days, 30 miles wasn't just a little car drive, right? When you walked it, so so they needed to stay overnight. So Peter, his heart already being warmed toward the Gentiles based on this vision, invites these Gentiles into his home to lodge for the night. That's a miracle right there. So they come into the home. They lodge the next morning. They leave. They all, they all go back to Caesarea. Uh, Cornelius has all of his family there waiting for him. And uh, he tells them the story about the angel. So Peter starts talking to him about the gospel. He tells them about Christ. He tells them about what Jesus did. And as he's talking, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They start all of Cornelius' family, they start raising their hands, magnifying God and speaking in tongues. Just like happened with Peter and the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And he, Peter had brought, has brought six good Jewish, Jewish boys, good Jewish Christian boys with him. And they are all gobsmacked. Don't you love that word? They are shocked. They can't believe it. The Bible says they are astonished. Astonished, and they and and he says, Peter began to speak, and he says, "Now I really understand that God is no respecter of persons, but whoever fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him, no matter what people He belongs to." He said, "Oh my gosh, what's to prevent them from being baptized?" So they baptized them all right there. Now Peter had to go and tell the other Jewish leaders what happened. And when he did, this is, what he, this is what he said. 
If God gave them the same gift he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? I guess Peter's getting a little smarter here. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Hallelujah. God, in his supernatural way, had broken down the wall between Jews and Gentiles. Paul describes it like this in Ephesians 2. The scripture is a little bit long, but just kind of take in every line because they're just so meaningful. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. In those days, you were living utterly apart from Christ. You were lost without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by making us one family when he in his own body on the cross broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Broke down the wall of hostility. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. So together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups back to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Hallelujah. Jesus broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So you might say, okay, history lesson, but what does this have to do with me? Jews, Gentiles, I'm an American in the 21st century. Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with you. Jesus is in the business of breaking down walls. Walls that separate us from each other. Walls that separate us from God. Paul said, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. You know, if you were going to substitute your own words in this verse, what would you say? There's neither wealthy nor poor. There's neither black nor white. There's neither Arab nor Jew. There's neither Republican nor Democrat. In Christ we're all one. Remember, Peter said, I realize now God is no respecter of persons. You know, if you're a Christian, you and I, we need to develop a new way of seeing people. We need to see people the way Jesus saw them and the way he trained his disciples to see them. Jesus had a faith finder. He recognized faith. He had like faith radar. If you had faith, If you believed, he recognized you, no matter who you were, no matter what people you were from. He was drawn toward those who had faith in him. You remember the Roman centurion, not Cornelius, but another centurion, came to Christ and said, would you please heal my servant to speak the word, and it'll happen. That's all you have to do. Jesus said, wow, you have have great faith. You You have greater faith than any Jew I've seen, than anybody in all of Israel. And he was a Gentile. And then there was a Syrophoenician woman. She was a Gentile. She came to Christ and said, Would you heal my daughter? I will be satisfied with the crumbs that fall off the Jewish table. Jesus said, You have great faith. Let it be done for you as you, as you believed. He recognized faith in people, wherever they were. But, but even some of the Jews, some of his own boys... He chastised them for lack of faith. So of his own disciples. And the Jewish leaders at that time, 
They basically had no faith in him. They just had envy and hatred for him. Paul said from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. According to the way you see somebody, regarding no one that way. As Christians, we don't want to look at people based on their outward appearance or in any way where we might prejudge them. Not by their race, not by their wealth or lack of it, poverty, education or lack of it, not by politics, not by beauty, not by looks, not by their house, not by where they live, not by their season of life. As we read, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. As we look at the vision Peter had, that she came down from heaven on four corners, held by four corners, representing the whole earth, the four corners of the earth, every animal on it, every kind, every creature, and went back up to heaven. Because in heaven, God has designed to have every kind of people. And in Revelation it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Hallelujah. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. Hallelujah. My book is going to be in the library in heaven. Is there a wall in your heart? That's what I want to ask you. You know, there's different kinds of walls. There's a wall between you and other people, between me and other people, like the Jews and Gentiles had with each other. Is there a wall in your heart that divides you from people where you feel like it's kind of us versus them? It's like my family, my tribe, my clan versus everybody else. You know, my parents, my parents had a real estate company when I was growing up, and uh, they, they maintained uh, rentals for people. You know, they, they, they kept rentals for people. And so when they were empty, sometimes they'd get vandalized. And, and, and when I, around the dinner table, I always heard, oh, some teenagers did that. Some kids did that. And I kind of grew up with this prejudice against kids. I thought they were just bad. I was one of them. But... <laughs> But I thought, you know, teenagers are bad. And I had, to, I had to realize after a while why I, felt, why I just felt this default anger toward teenagers. And that was why. It's, that was that prejudice I grew up with. Do you have a prejudice that you grew up with? Were you taught to hate? Based on culture? Based on race, class? How much money people have or don't have? The kind of house people live in? The kind of job they have? Maybe people in authority, based on age, maybe based on disability, based on education or lack of it. Do you have a wall? Based on looks, based on politics. You know, we only have to turn the TV news on to see divisions between people. The whole world is full of it. The Mideast, America. All the grief, all the sorrow, all the brutality that those walls cause. But in heaven, people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language. You know, we don't want to be ashamed of how we treated people on earth based on our walls once we get to heaven. You know, there's a second wall that could be in your heart, and that's a wall between you and Christ. You know, I think I really relate to the story of Cornelius because I was kind of Cornelius 
God didn't send Peter to me, but he sent a woman named Debbie Moore. I was waitressing in Albuquerque, New Mexico, after I had been searching for God for many years, looking in Hinduism, looking in Buddhism, traveling around, hitchhiking through Europe, coming back, trying to just find God somewhere. I was waitressing, and she told me about Jesus, but I had a wall up. My wall said, it was an intellectual wall, it said, what, if Jesus is the only way, what about all the people who never hear about Jesus? And that wall was standing between me and Christ. I could not get to Jesus because of that wall. But Debbie kept talking to me. The day before I came to Christ, I asked that question. The next day, I decided to come to Christ in spite of my wall. In spite of my wall. I didn't have the answer to that. But I, I came to Christ anyway. And can I tell you a secret? When you're on the one side of the wall, that wall looks pretty big. But when you get on the other side, it shrinks. It shrinks. That objection shrinks in the presence of the one who holds the world, whole world in his hands. In the presence of the person of Jesus Christ, that objection, that wall you have between you and God, it just shrinks down to nothing. You know, after I started reading the Bible, I came across the story of Cornelius after I became a Christian. And I realized this story answered my objection. Because God finds a way. If somebody has a heart for him, no matter where they are in the world, he even will find a supernatural way to let them know about Jesus Christ. He found a way with Cornelius, and he will find a way. But, you know, I had to come to God even though that wall stood in spite of that wall because I, I didn't get my answer till afterward. God tore down my wall. I want to talk to you about walls in your heart. Could you stand for just a moment? If you're a Christ follower, you may have a wall between you and other people. You may have a wall of prejudging or prejudice. Jesus wants to tear your wall down today. Are you willing to let him? Are you willing to let him tear the wall down that's in your heart? Are you willing to release whatever you are holding against a type of people? You may not even know how to start or where to start. It may be very deep in you. It may be something you've just recognized for the first time this morning. But are you willing to start and ask God to do what you can't do or don't know how to do? I want to ask you just to take a moment. Close your eyes. Just do some business with God right now. Talk to him about your wall. Talk to him about where you are. Ask him for help to get beyond your wall. Ask him to break down that wall in your heart. And then obey whatever he's asking you to do. He, might be, he may be giving you an instruction right now, something he wants you to do. Just say yes to him. Now, some of you may have a wall between you and God, like I had. It could be sin. A lot of times the wall between people and God is some sin they want to hide from God. If the sin is coming up to your mind and that's your wall, let it go. It is not important enough to come between you and God. Just let that sin go and ask God to forgive you and change your heart toward it. 
Maybe your wall between you and God is something you don't understand. Just like I didn't understand. I had an intellectual wall. Maybe it's something about the goodness of God that you question. What is your wall? Maybe your wall is that there's too much evil and suffering in the world for a good God to be in charge. You know, a lot of people feel that way. I can't believe in a God that would allow all this suffering and evil in the world. Maybe you know somebody who's a very loud Christian, but you don't feel like you live a very good Christian life. Maybe you think they're a hypocrite. Maybe that's your wall between you and God. Maybe you just think, I'm going to wait till later. I'm going to wait till I'm old. Maybe that's your wall. Maybe you think Jesus can't possibly be the only way. Maybe that's your wall. Maybe you feel like you're a good person. You don't need God. You do need God. Let me tell you something about these walls. You are never going to receive an emotionally satisfying answer to your question. If you can accept that right now, it'll make such a difference in your life. There's a lot of people in this room who can give you an explanation. They can give you a theological reason, but it's never going to be emotionally satisfying. It's never emotionally satisfying to see suffering and know there's a good God. But you just have to get past your wall anyway. That gap between between God and what you don't understand has to be filled by something. And I mean, can I tell you what it's filled with? Faith. That gap is filled by your faith. It takes a leap of faith. It takes a leap of faith to get over that wall between you and God. And I want to encourage you today to take that leap of faith. <clears throat> because Jesus has faith-finding radar. And he's going to find you if you take that leap of faith. If you just extend your faith out a little bit to God and say yes, he will find you. Don't wait for a satisfying answer. Jesus has already destroyed the wall that destroyed the wall that stood between you and God. He's made a way for you to come to him. He's washed you of all your sins. He took the punishment for your sins. He made peace between you and God. And you have been reconciled back to God. So just find a way over your wall right now. Break through your wall. Climb over it. Run around it. I don't care what you do. Find a way to come to God right this minute in your heart. You you can make right now that secret and invisible transaction in your heart to say yes to God. And I'm going to encourage you to do that. Will you do that today in spite of whatever your wall is between you and God? In spite of that hurt? In spite of that pain? In spite of that unanswered question? In spite of that person who died? Will you say yes to God anyway today? Let's pray. As I pray, you can pray with me in your heart. You can make that invisible transaction with God right now. And I encourage you to do it, please. Lord, I come to you right now just as I am. You know me, Lord. You know everything about me. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask you to help me to come to you in spite of my objections, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Take me just as I am. I say yes to you right now. I want to know you, Lord. I want to surrender my life to you right this moment. From this day forth, 
I want to be I want to be yours, Lord. Help me. Do in me what I can't do. Help me get over my wall. Do in me what I don't know how to do myself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to just say to you, if you just made, just now, for the first time, that secret, that invisible transaction with God in your heart, would you turn to somebody and tell them? Right now. Come on. Turn to somebody. You tell them the decision you made. Tell them right now. Tell them what you did. Tell them that you prayed. Tell them that you asked God to come into your life. Listen, if you're here and you're a child, you better tell your mama. I want to ask you right now, if you ask the Lord into your heart, if you pray that prayer with me, would you raise your hand? I want you to be bold. I want you to be brave. I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you. Would you raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer with me? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The ushers are going to bring you a packet with a, with a New Testament and some information in it because we love you. In that packet, there's a white card like this. I'm going to ask you, just in the next five minutes, to take this card out, to fill it out. There's very little information on it. Just check off this box that says, Today I prayed to follow Christ. And put it in the offering when it goes by because we want to follow up with you. We want to help you grow in Christ. Thank you for making the decision for God today. You will not regret it. God bless you. So we're singing, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Your presence is heaven to me. Come on, let's declare 